Good evening. A uh, special thank you to David Salman for sponsoring this evening. Happiness in your lives and, and, uh, and his family, your family is Amen. Um, did they give out a title for tonight? Yes. Okay. Okay, World, World War Three. I just wanted to make sure, otherwise I'll change the subject. Um, so World War Three. If, if there really is a World War Three, I'm not referring to a physical one, what, what might it be? The Eight Sahara. The Eight Sahara? Uh, it's been a, around for a long time, but, but why, why now uh, would the Eight Sahara be uh, possibly taking a different angle at trying to conquer us? It's a world war in what sense? What's, what's very, very unique and different about this generation? Something that you can literally argue is different in the last 10, 15 years. I'm sorry? Technology. So what, what, is, uh, what did you want to say, sir? Communication. communication. Technology has enabled a totally different level of communication. What's that level of communication? Instant. Instant what? Gratification. Instant gratification. What, what's, what is the instant gratification? I don't have to go to see a movie to see a movie. Um, I don't have to go, almost do anything with effort to access what? Well, we don't have to go into detail, but... Anything. anything. So, World War Three, arguably... And I, I want to get away, so I'm not talking about a physical World War. Uh, Rav Nachman of Breslov claims that Mashiach will come without a single gunshot. Which I think since the fall of communism makes it a lot more easy to have a Munna that that's a possibility. I don't think anybody in their right mind, anybody, would have imagined that the communist regime of Russia would fall with not a single bullet. So we're referring to a different world war. And I'm referring to, and I know I have deliberately put in four W's. W, 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 dot, con, with an N. So let me share with you a very simple marshal to bring this out. Imagine you get a knock on the door, it's your neighbor. So you let him in, and he has a hose. So it's, it's more like a fire hose. And he starts spraying your house with the waste that has been connected to his sewer. So you're, in, you're, you're frozen in shock, and within a, within a minute, um, the waste product, both solid and liquid, has run out, and he apologizes. He said, look, I'll, I'll be back as soon as I possibly can. And within a few minutes, sure enough, he knocks on your door, and for some strange reason, he's your neighbor, you let him in. And he said, no, I, I've, I've, um, I, I've got a much better supply now because I have actually connected my hose to the sewer for the entire neighborhood. So now he's hosing down and he's going into bedrooms, living room, dining room, and he, he runs out. So he apologized, I'm really sorry, I, I thought it would last much more. I'll, I'll be back as soon as I can. And, and sure enough, it takes a while, but he comes back, knocks on the door. He said, look, I just want to let you know, you don't have to worry about um, the supply anymore. I, I have managed to work it out that my, my hose has been connected not just to the local 
neighborhood, but I managed to reconnect the sewer of the entire nation to the neighborhood, and now I've got, it's probably unlimited. Now, you're in total shock, you're completely frozen. Meanwhile, he's spraying everywhere. And he's like, the damage is probably irreparable, and nobody's going to probably come and even give an estimate to clean this mess up. But imagine that my neighbor actually makes a different claim. Listen, you never have to worry any anymore about me not being able to supply um, enough waste because I, I have actually connected my hose to the sewer of our neighborhood that's connected to the local municipality which is connected to the entire country and we've got the special connection that has, has now enabled us to have a world wide web of waste so that the entire world's waste is connected. Actually, we've got networks, you can watch it on TV as well, uh, where you can, you can see the, mo the most local broadcast of other people's waste that's coming out of their minds through their mouths on any subject, and uh, we have a direct connection right into... It starts hosing down my face into my... Would, it, would I be sane to let my neighbor or anyone do that? to my home? Of course not. But the question really is, who is or what is the true, real home of a human being? The physical abode? Or oh, that's just where my body lives? What's the true palace of our lives? Our mind. In the words of Rabbi Victor Miller, the palace of the mind, this, this is who we truly are. Why would I, in my right mind, give permission to anybody that I don't want to come in and give me their waste or opinion that's not necessarily screened and allow it at the touch of a finger with almost any, no effort whatsoever, almost, almost zero pressure. In fact, sometimes if I press too hard, um, it's, not, it's not responding. I have to just touch it, and, I, and sometimes I can't even tell that I usually touched it, and it gives me immediate access. The muscle is, is obvious, but the, the problem is, the real me is not my body. The real me is my mind. So I want to give you a second muscle that tries to bring this home a little bit, a bit more. Is there, uh, is there any comment that you want to make on, on this marshal, on this metaphor? Because there's lots of ways you can extrapolate a, a lesson, a... Yes, sir? One under the people would, are not as concerned about the waste on the internet as the water. Okay, I'm more concerned about the water than um, what's, what's coming into my mind through internet. That's a, that's a, a, a very good ha'ara. Any other suggestions? So I have here a hammer. And it's got, on one side, it's, it, it says here, worry. 
So imagine I come home and I tell my spouse what I'm worried about. Actually, no, I just want to tell you, actually, these worries, they're actually they're quite painful when I really think about it. I'm, I'm worried about my children and my grandchildren. I worry about my health, about my finances, about my friendships in general. I'm starting to feel that at my age, I really should have gotten ahead in my career. And these worries, or on this side it's written fierce a little bit. The fear seems to fade it, that's good. But, um, um, is there something wrong with this analogy? But imagine that not only that, um, I talk to my friends about the frustration that I'm experiencing in my life, and I, I, I tell them about my worries and my frustrations, but each time I do, I'm, I'm actually hurting myself. Does this make sense to you? Are you okay with me doing this? If you saw me come home, or we're learning together, and, uh, and I pull out of my bag, um, my complaints about my boss, you know, this is, I got it tucked, oh, you know, he really hurt, really hurt me today. He embarrassed me in front of the whole board meeting. And what's wrong with this? What's wrong with me carrying a bag of hammers? Oh, I forgot to tell you about my debts. Oh, that oh, is really painful. What's wrong with this? This picture. Oh, it's not. I haven't made it effective enough. How about? I'm, okay, now I'm going to tell you about my spouse. You know, she is so un un disrespectful of uh, everything I do for the family. It's hurting me so badly. I can't tell you what a headache I've got from all. What, what? What's the problem here? Any suggestions? For those still awake? You're focusing on the negative. Okay, I'm focusing a lot on the negative. And in doing so, what's happening? It's getting worse. It's getting worse. How is it getting worse? Oh, this is about my health. I really have to lose weight. The amount of junk that's coming into my body. and No wonder I'm so, so groggy. I eat so late at night. We wake up all tired after eight hours sleep. I can't, think of so. I can't take it anymore. I feel so stressed. And I'm carrying these negative thoughts. And... I thought I'd ran out. <laughs> Sorry? The bag is getting really small. See, we spoke about this a little bit in the past. When, 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 I, when I get a pop-up on my phone, what are my two options? I can either ignore or explore. See, thoughts are very similar to pop-ups. Negative thoughts um, about the stress in my life, which kind of, wow, goes with everything else. But the problem is, what happens if I'm going from one thought to the other? And you, can, you, can you understand why I'm suffering from migraine? Can you understand how my, the headaches I have are unbelievable? I wake up with them, I go to sleep with them, and I think about them when my mind is not distracted. Is it any wonder, but here's the worst part, as Marty pointed out. Oh, sorry, anyway, I've got another one here. Uh, one is for anger. So, you know, this, this is it's starting to make me really angry. I'll tell you why, because I do so many mitzvahs. I give stalker and I, I just, my, my, my life, I feel is like such a mess. I'm starting to feel angry. Why, why am I going through all this? And if that's not enough, now, now I'm really suffering from a lot of anxiety. But when, when will these headaches ever go away? The, the innocent misunderstanding that's taking place over here is that who is causing me my pain? My boss? My spouse? 
my friends, the circumstances? Is it really my health? Or is it the thoughts that I'm carrying with me wherever I go? And if these would be filled with rocks, it would be a lot heavier for me to carry. But can you see what's wrong with the way I'm looking at myself and the world? So what ends up happening is I'm living in what I'm going to call two worlds. We mentioned this once before. There's reality thinking and there's non-reality thinking. That means to say there's a way the world truly works because that's the way Hashem has dictated. This is, how, this is how the world works. And then there's a way the world does not work. That's in Olam Adimian. And the world, way the world really works is there's a lot of mitzvahs that actually guide me in what I'm supposed to think and what I'm not supposed to think about. One of them, one of the most famous, is Don't follow one's thoughts. Lev, most of the time, means thought or mind. Rabbi Victor Miller spoke about it many times. We've mentioned it a number of times as well. The reason the word lave has to mean both heart and mind is because you can't separate the two. It's impossible. That's why you have to have one word in Lashon HaKadosh that has both meanings. It can mean other things as well. It can sometimes mean a metaphor like a mushal. Lave yam or lave hashamayim. There's no lave in the ocean when we say every morning, kafu tohaimos, believe yam. There's no lave in the yam. There's no lave hashamayim in the heavens when Moshe Rabbeinu declared that the Flames from Hasinai were boyer, flaming, ad lev hashemayim. There's no lev, it's a metaphor, it's a marshal. And sometimes it can mean your physical heart. Like Aaron Cohen coming soon when he wore the choshin al lipoi. That was against his physical heart, the location of his physical heart in the center of his body. However, the vast majority of times, look at any posuk which contains the word lave and you'll read, read it as mind, emotion, because that's what it's referring to. And it's really in that order. And the reason why is because you feel what you think. It can never be any other way. You don't actually feel your feelings, that's impossible. You feel what you think. Try, try feeling something that you're not thinking, it's impossible. We can easily distract ourselves, extremely easily distract ourselves, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm starving. I can't, I'm really, really starving. I get a phone call from a really close friend. Oh my gosh, Wayne, I haven't spoken to you in ages. How are you? And, and this phone call goes on for 40 minutes. I put the phone down. Oh yeah, I was starving. No, one second, one second. I was starving 40 minutes ago, and for the last 40 minutes, I, I wasn't feeling hungry. How did that happen? Do you understand the question? Why wasn't I hungry for the last 40 minutes? Look, Wayne, I'm really sorry, I'm starving, I have to eat something. What, what, uh, why was I distracted, key over here, for the last 40 minutes? Oh, because my mind was not paying attention to my hunger pangs. I can only feel what I'm thinking. I could be in the middle of a, a real rage with another person and then I get distracted by FedEx ringing on the front doorbell with a check that I, I desperately need and, and I've got to go to the bank before it closes and all of a sudden I have no time to pay attention to the person I'm, ex I'm really upset with and I answer the doorbell, yeah it's the FedEx 
tear open the envelope. Oh my gosh, it's the check. Um, I'll deal with you later. And I go straight to the bank. If the rage is real, why aren't I still angry? And the simple answer is, the Baal Shem says it all the time, or it's quoted in his name, where is the real me? Wherever my mind is. Wherever my thoughts are, that's where I am. So I know there's a few kids in the audience. Could you imagine uh, being in school for seven, eight hours a day, sitting behind a desk and daydreaming? And not you personally, but you've got friends who, who, who have done that. And uh, your body is physically in the classroom, but your mind is on, I don't know, the vacation that we just had a really great vacation, um, midwinter break. So wh wh where are you? Where's the real me? And the answer is, wherever my mind is. So the real me is my mind. Now here's a very simple marshal. You've inherited a, an apartment building with, let's say, I don't know, 100 apartments. That's a, that's a lot of income. Will you allow anybody to occupy the 100 apartments in your apartment building? Of course not. You're going to screen them. Why don't, you, why don't you just be very easygoing about whoever enters your apartment and stays there? Pays rent, doesn't pay rent, trashes the apartment, doesn't trash the apartment. That's, that's insane. This is, this is an asset. Whatever. I, I, I need the income, and the income can help me, my family, security, financially, and uh, can do lots of wonderful things with the tzedakah, the extra money I don't really need after I've bought two or three homes. Uh, what else am I going to do except give tzedakah? So, but why would I let almost anybody come in and trash the apartment and let them stay there? And referring, of course, to our mind yet again, why would I carry with me memories of what people have done to hurt me and live with that resentment? And what does the Torah come and tell me? It's a very, very powerful, it's one of the Tarek mitzvahs. There's not one of the Moenia mitzvahs, not one of the Rishonim that disagrees that this is one of the 613. There's the mitzvah, don't take revenge. And in the very same posuk, Lo tito et b'nei amecha. Lo tito, says Rashi, is Lashon Natira. In the Gemara Numa, Chaf Gimel, right at the top there, he says, Sholoi Shama, don't guard the Machshavara, the negative thought, the bad thinking of what that person has done. Ela Masih What I should be doing is removing that thought from my mind. So there's one of the Tariag mitzvahs. If, if the Rabbeinu Shalom has told me, you can stop thinking about what your spouse did over the years, or this kid did to make me bold, or what this boss has done to take advantage of me and not pay me what I'm truly worth in the value that I contribute to this company, and the list goes on, if the Torah commands, Lotita et Bnei Amecha, what is the predicate? What's the assumption? What's the Din Kadima here? If you are an Olympic high jump 
jumper. And your coach sets the bar at a certain height, and then a little bit more, a little bit more. What's the predicate? What's the din kadima? What's the assumption in him setting that bar that high? You can do it! But what happens if it happens to be that your coach, the Rabbeinu Shlalem, wired you? He made your mind! So he has every right to give you the mitzvahs which are tali believed that depend on how the mind works. Of which Sefa Haredim, who only counts the mitzvahs which are Nagea Biyamenu, that are relevant to nowadays, however, and there are only 50, he counts 51. But if you do a full count of Tariag mitzvahs that are, that are tali believed, there's 68 mitzvahs. That's a lot of, that's a lot of, that's over 10% of the mitzvahs are telling me about how my mind works. Here's a biggie. This is massive. And this relates to our hammers. And this you'll find in Sefer Haredim. Umaltem et orlas levavchem. You'll find it in Perek Yud Pasuk Tesain, I think, in Dvarim. Umaltem et orlas levavchem. Umaltem from Lashon Mila, cut off. Orla, says the Radak, Rishon is a lotion of Miyuta. This is extra. Remove, cut off, Arlas, the extra Levavchem of your thoughts, the extra thinking. Here I am carrying with me extra thinking. What's extra thinking? Overweight thinking. It's weighing me down. Anger, frustration, resentment, remembering other people's mistakes or things they've done against me. And I'm trashing my own apartment building. I'm trashing my own mind. I have become my own bully. Bullying is a big, big thing today. Why would I be my own bully? I don't need you to bully me because I'm a self-starter. I'll do it to myself. <coughs> Not even realizing that I'm my worst enemy. So the Yet Sahara today, I'm not sure if it was ever a whole lot different, but thanks to the technology of communication in real time, I, I'm able to access Yet Saharas that are going on in other people's lives and they're being glorified. Same gender marriages, relationships, being glorified. Almost, um, there's almost not a movie out there that or even a reconstruction of a story in the past that might be pure fiction where they're not including forbidden relationships. And what does that do to our standard of morality when we are overexposed to immorality? What happens? Do our expectations of society and also ourselves get higher or lowered when we're more and more exposed? It's a big problem. The communication of technology enables that the www.con, that the Yetzirah is able to really fool me. In Lekut Imran, in Torah Memtes, actually spells out Hamachshavas Toives Hem HaYetzatoiv, Hamachshavas Rois Hem Hamachshav Ra. The Yetzirah is the Machshavas Rois. The Yetzirah is thought. That is what it is. It's thought. And you and I can never think more than one thought at a time. You can think very quickly, you can go from one to another, but you can't actually contain more than one thought at a time. Which means, 
How far am I ever away from changing my thought? I'm only one thought away, ever, always. That's how we're wired. I'm one thought away from getting the tenants out of my building. I'm one thought, in God's reality, how long does it take to become a tzaddik? In God's reality? One thought. One thought. One thought of? Teshuva. Teshuva is one thought. Now that might not count in my spouse's eyes. Sorry, I won't do it again. But in rebellion, if it's really sincere, it's real, he'll count it. Because that's his reality. His reality, oh, Avas Hashem. That's, that's reality thinking. Avas Yisrael, oh, that's reality thinking. Avas Abrius, that's not a derisa, that's a drabonan. Pirke Avas, Avas Abrius. That's also a drabonan, but it's, it's still, if you want to count every drabonan, it's really a derisa. Loi Tassur, don't deviate from any of the words that they give us in terms of the Tosh Baal Peh, so then it's, it's, it's a derisa as well. Hashem Echad, you and I would declare every morning, every evening, you're the only one. Ephes, Zulasai. Nothing else exists except the last taste at the end of Aleinu. Ephes, Zulasai. Nothing else exists. I live inside one big divine illusion. Olam Hazeh, Olam Adimyan. And the I is not my body, yet yeah, that's my physical location, but that's not the real me. The real you and I is the Tzalem Elohim, the Akadosh Baruch Hu put inside us the Neshama that powers every one of the billions of chemical reactions taking place in our body. The almost 75 plus trillion cells in our body are powered by that same divine intelligence. And that divine intelligence gives us the ability to change in a second. Is it lasting? Okay, so I've got lots of mitzvahs of helping me define how I can help my mind pay more attention to the way I think and what I'm paying attention to. How I can make a hachlata, a serious decision to stop letting anybody bring their waste into my living room, into the palace of my mind. Not accepting Lashon Hara is all about not believing the faults of other people. Because your faults, weaknesses, are none of my business. My business is changing me. My business is not to try and change you. And if I try to change you, very funny. I'll spend a lifetime of energy trying to change my marriage, trying to change my children, when God says, I, I only created you to create, to change yourself. That's the only person I can change. When we change, other people change in response to a different us. But it's a waste of my energy trying to change other people. That's not how the world works. It's not reality. Here's the only reality. Don't hate my brother in my thoughts. Oh, so now I'm being told that if I notice a pop-up in my mind of a thought of hatred towards another person, I can't control the pop-up most of the time, but I can control the next thought. And that's where I'm being judged. I'm not judged on the pop-up. I'm judged on what I do with the pop-up. Oh, delete. And even if it keeps coming back, an image that should not be in my mind, 
it was hosed in, I don't know, directly connected from the moment I wake up. Oh yes, I forgot, Murdani. And then, and, okay, now, right? Oh, oh, Negevasa. I'm always connected to a Goddess Baruchu, but the Sahara, in its, if you want to call it, last breath before the final Geula, when the rude awakening will be, Rebbein Shalom, you were with me all along. The rude awakening is, is when I die and, and, and this whole movie is played of my life, I won't only see the geographical locations that I physically lived in, the most important part of the movie, and this is quite remarkable, is that you don't only get to see what I was doing and saying, you get to see what I was thinking. Ooh. This is not my marshal, this is Leif Eliyahu. In his Musa Sefer, Eliyahu Lapian of Blessed Memory offers, because in those days cinema was like really taking off, he said, Gehenna is going to the cinema and watching the movie of my life, where on screen you get to see the, what I did, what I said, and what I thought. And knowing what's coming up, I'm closing my eyes and I don't want to sink in the audience because in the audience, in the cinema, this is Leib Eliyahu's marshal, are all my relatives and all my friends and everybody who ever existed is watching the movie. Let's see what this neshama has brought to Olam HaMS and they're all clapping with each mitzvah and very dismayed when uh, I make a mistake. But oh, I, I can't believe what's coming up next. Oh my gosh, please, no, I can't believe it! It's too late to do tshuva! And all of a sudden, the screen goes blank. This is his marshal. And then goes back to the movie, but missed out a piece that I would really be so ashamed of. Uh, how did it get blanked out? Oh, because in my lifetime, I had a hero of tshuva that actually erased, cut and pasted it, put it. It's no longer in the script. It's no longer there. I used to work with my father in, in, the, in the film industry. I don't know if you're familiar with dubbing. Dubbing is where you re-voice a movie. So in, in, in the, when a movie is finished, 98%, 98% of all movies have dubbing. Dubbing is revoicing for lots of reasons. The, uh, sometimes a problem with the sound, that's very often the soundtrack, there's a problem with the soundtrack. It's not unusual for an actor or an actress to have laryngitis or a bad cold or such a sniff and, and, and stuffed nose that their, their voice doesn't come out right when they're acting. So they can still mouth the words, but it's coming out through their nose and you can't, you, it's just not going to go on the soundtrack. So they, they have to call the actor or actress in after the movie is finished and the cold is obviously gone as well and then they revoice the whole part. But how do you revoice it so that the dubbing, that's the, it's, it's called post-sync. Now they're going to synchronize your voice to the mouth movements in such a way that the audience who's going to watch the final product can't tell that it's dubbed. And, and many movies, by the way, of course, as you know, are, are, are done in, in Italy or France or Germany, and then they're dubbed, the whole movie is dubbed into English, so that it's now available to the English-speaking market. So that means every single voice in the entire movie has to be revoiced. So it's, quite a, it's a very interesting art. When they dub it from another language, they've got to rewrite the entire script without deviating from the story, and they've got to select words that will fit the mouth movement best as is possible, then they have 
in the, it's called a post-sync theater. It's usually underground, many, many meters underground so that uh, it's 100% foolproof in terms of sound. And you, you see the screen in front of you and the entire movie, it might be an hour, to, an hour and two hours long, has been split into what's called loops. Loops are maybe 10 or 11, 12 second sections of the movie. So you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of loops and they only focus on one loop at a time and you've got the the actual movie screen of that loop it's a loop because it's only that piece of film and it's played again and again and again. This loop just keeps coming again and again. Underneath the screen is another screen and on it is printed the words that are coming out of the mouths of the different people. It's on different levels of that screen. Do you, f do you follow? And there's a line. If you read the words as the words are, are moving along, it's called a band, they, it moves along the band. If you, if you say the words exactly as the words hit that line, it will be in perfect synchronization with the mouth movements of the person that you're dubbing on screen. Do you, do you follow? It's, it's a hakmitz, it's a skill. It's not, it's not a very difficult skill, but you have to be very skilled to, to do a really good job of it. My father happened to be the best in the world in dubbing, he was called a, a man of a thousand voices, uh, uh, the king of dubbers. I think I may have once shared this, there was once a movie called The Battle of Waterloo and there were 102 voices in the entire movie. The eight, there were eight soundtracks got destroyed, so they had to redo the whole soundtrack of the entire movie. Out of 102 voices, my father did 98 voices, nobody knew, except the producer. I can tell his voice each time. But, uh, so it's, it's a hakma to be able to mouth it exactly and nobody know that it was actually dubbed. Why am I sharing this? Because imagine you've got, here's the movie screen and you've got the dialogue but you also get to read what they're thinking. OMG! And what I'm thinking is the real me. The Benish Chai offers Tzadik Viralai in one of the answers that was given to Moshe Rabbeinu, one of the answers he gave, why is it that a tzaddik could have terrible things happen to him, is because he's a, ben, he's a tzaddik ben Rasha. Says the Ben Ishchai, a tzaddik ben Rasha is, is a language, he says, in Kabbalah, where the father is what I'm thinking, and the child that I give birth to are my actions. So he says a tzaddik ben Rasha is a tzaddik whose actions are good, but the intent is not, and that's why he might have to pay for the fact that he was fooling himself and other people with the wrong intent, because the real me is not what I do as much as what's behind what I'm doing, what's my intent? Oh, it's covered. oh, it's Kesef, oh, it's Lishma, which, where, which one is it? So, it's not out for grabs, you, only, only we with our own introspection can know that. But that's Olama Emes. If I were to know all the Malachim that are created from what I say and think and do, would I be that much more careful? In Olama Emes it's so obvious, it's so glaringly obvious that everything we do that's kind is huge in Olam HaEmes. It's huge because even if Hasva Shalom, a person, became a Russia and did every Avera in the book, the worst ramifications is 12 months in Gehenna. After that, it's Gan Eden for every mitzvah he ever did. And according to Svarim, if a person came to this world for one hiur of teshuva, it would be worth it. How is that possible? Rush a whole life and you have one hero of Teshuva. Yeah, because the Russia will spend 12 months max in Gehenna. After that, he gets his 
eternal reward for one hearer of Teshuvah. Listen, it might be in the smoking section of Gan Eden, might not be in the front row, but one hearer of Teshuvah. If I knew that, oh my gosh. But Hashem has to hide that from us in order for Bechira to be real. He wants me to be kinder, to buy into Bechira because I'm buying into it. Not someone sold it to me. Not someone told me I'm going to get Gehenna if I don't. No, I, he wants me to buy it because it's real. This is where we live all the time. And it's never too late for me to change me. It's never too late for me to recognize how much complaining comes out of my mouth and I keep knocking myself and people and friends and community and yeshiva and educational system and whatever it is, I'm knocking! I'm getting a real headache! Yeah, I'm getting the headache because it's me! It's never too late for me to start paying more attention to the pollution I permit in my own mind and let go. And with that, the music of the soul can be heard so much more because it's not covered with thought and thought and thought. The negativity of what I don't like in this world. And God comes along and tells me, Please enjoy all the good that I have gifted you. Really? Oh, so the predicate, the assumption is, if God commands me to enjoy all the good, what does that mean? It's, it's possible for me to enjoy. And what else does it say? Your father comes to you and he gives you one million dollars and he says, I want you to enjoy every single one of those dollars. There's a million of them. There's a real, there's, there's a real storehouse of a million dollars for me to enjoy. Hashem saying there's lots of good. And if he's calling it good, well, it must be really good. And that is a choice. <laughs> It's all choice. Millionaires are, in Hashem's definition, is someone who's enjoying the good that's in his wealth. Hasameach Bechelkai. He's enjoying it now. No matter what the chelik is. Oh, so happiness is never outside of me. It's impossible. I only feel what I think. So if I think I'm happy, but I'm following God's directions. I'm paying attention to the good blessings, kindnesses He does for me all the time. Sefer Haredim offers that I have an obligation, and Rabbi Victor Miller talked about this a lot, to not just be grateful for what's good in my life, but be grateful for everything He did for my parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, going back to the beginning of time, and even to the non-Jewish world for everything they provide for me to be able to have electricity, to have water, have a sewer that actually works. Um, or there's so much for me to be grateful for. Oh, the samachta b'chol hataiv, umaltim orlas livavchem. God wants me to notice the pop-ups, the negative pop-ups, and umaltem, cut them off. Because it's orla, it's extra, it's unnecessary. And I'm doing it to myself, levavchem, it's my thoughts he wants me to pay attention to. And when I start becoming happier because I am noticing the good in me, in you, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in His perfect world, people change in response to us. 
That's how they change. Nobody changes by being forced to change. That's not how it works. It's not reality. If it looks that way, that's manipulation. If it looks that way, it's out of fear. If it looks that way, it's because they're weak. But that's not real. Real change is when we make a serious choice and it starts with me. It never starts with you. There's more to be said on, on the subject, but just um, for, for a reality check, there are 68 mitzvahs, Tali Belev, 68 mitzvahs in the Torah. Avas Hashem, Yiras Hashem, Avas Yisrael, Lotito, Lotikoim, Hashem Echad, Emunah, the mitzvah of Emunah is, is a mitzvah Tali Belev, it's in the mind. The feeling we experience is always what we're thinking in that moment. So if I don't enjoy the feeling of anxiety, what should I do? Distract myself, think about something different. Learn, daven, or, do, or pay more attention to some sort of project I'm involved in, and guess what will happen to my mind? If I actually get myself involved or play a game, distract myself, my mind will be doing something different that makes me feel different because you can't separate what your emotions are from what you're thinking. It's impossible. Because I always feel what I'm thinking, always. It, it never happens in any other way. If it looks as though it's something else, like you're making me feel angry, that's just a misunderstanding because there's no, you can't go inside my mind and make me feel anything without my permission. And if, how about this? I thought it was very odd that one day um, um, my wife says to me, you know what, you haven't been listening to a word I was saying. And I thought to myself, that's, that's a really weird way to start a conversation. Now, <laughs> the point is, if she's accusing me of not, not paying any attention, that means my mind was somewhere else. Have you ever had the experience of calling a kid to supper? Hmm. And, and they're screaming, Jovan, it's supper time! Jovan, what, what, what? It's supper! Right, so why didn't you tell me? What do you mean? I've been screaming the last five minutes! No, you haven't. The decibels were loud enough for them to enter this year, go out this year, and come back in. And, and here I am, I'm so engrossed. You see, where I am is where my mind is. Where's my focus? Oh, you can get kicked in the shin. Really nasty kick in the middle of a game. Referee doesn't blow the whistle till 30 minutes later, and then you're limping off the field. Hey, give me a break. You've been running around the last 30 minutes. You got kicked in the shin 30 minutes ago. So how come you're limping now? Faker. Not faker, no. See, reality is wherever I am. My mind was on the game. My mind was, hey, we're one up, or we're one down, and it was so close. Yeah, I want to get into the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to be so honest. I beg your pardon. Talking about www.com. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to pay attention to reality, and that's wherever I am over here. That's reality. And the good news is, it takes one thought to change. And even if I get another pop-up and another pop-up, don't worry. 
That's probably because So I, I, yeah, I contributed to those pop-ups coming. There's a big momentum of those pop-ups. But Hashem promises that in His reality, He counts the delete, delete, delete. He counts that. In the words of Rav Nachman of Breslev, he actually brings that it used to be amongst royalty and aristocracy, they would, they would have their animals fight against each other, and, and people in the stadiums would be clapping and like so into the game and, and cheering on their whichever gladiator it was, they were fighting, and they were getting hanaf from the fight itself. The Nitzachain wasn't the victory at the end, it was during the game as well. Says Rabbi Breslov, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has nachas from the Nitzachai, not just at the end, the victory at the end, but the actual fight against the greatest enemy of all, my thoughts. The Yitzhahara is my thoughts. It's not some sort of separate entity. And when I recognize, Lotito, Lotikon, these are all thoughts. And Hashem is guiding me. That is reality. And he wants me to recognize true simcha is knowing you can think anything you want, anywhere, anytime. And he's given us the guidelines so that we can recognize when it's a non-reality thought or it's a reality thought. You're never scarred for life. Impossible. A painful memory or a traumatic memory can only resurface in my thought now. But I've got to let that happen. And it's a hammer that's banging me, banging me. And the Kaddish Baruch said, but I made your mind able to go to the next thought. It may not always be easy, but ask almost any Holocaust survivor, why didn't they talk and talk about the trauma they went through? And they will say, amongst other reasons, they had no time to think about it. Are you joking? What you went through for years! Not, not one time, you saw the worst imaginable atrocities over a matter of years, day in and day out. How could you... Well, at night I had a nightmare, but, but in the morning I was too busy building my family, too busy building our lives, too busy building our community, too busy building my business, too busy building schools, yeshivas. They weren't thinking about what they went through. They didn't even talk to their husband or spouse, their wives, about what they went through. During Ask children of, of Holocaust survivors, rarely did they hear the parents talking ever about what they experienced. But that's the most traumatic. How can you do that? And the answer is, that's the power of the resilience that Akkadosh Baruch created in our mind. It's impossible that every other element in creation knows how to heal itself. Cut on the finger, it will heal itself without the band-aid without the antiseptic. You'll, do, you'll get an antibiotic cream. You're going, to, you're going to be... Your body knows what to do. Does it make any sense that the most sensitive element in creation, your mind, thought, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, would not have been able to give you the ability to self-heal? Oh, by not thinking about it, about what I've been through. And love Hashem for the good He does give me. It's not denial of the bad, it's admission of the reality of the good. It's not about positive versus negative thinking, it's about reality thinking. 
Hashem says, my reality is the world is exceedingly good. And he said that immediately after he expelled Adam from Gan Eden. It's still very good. Very good? How could it be? He set the clock back now 6,000 years. No, it's very good. Do you know why? Because one hero of Teshuva is worth the whole coming down here, no matter how many mistakes. How much more so? We're born Jewish, born from, still from, getting up in the morning, putting on tefillin, Shabbos, Kashos, Yom Tov, raising our children, sending them to Yeshiva. Oh, how much more so is there to enjoy? Nekudais Taivas, the good in our lives. The Satan, Yetzahara, is the Oisius, Soine, Nekudas Taivas. The Satan hates when you and I count our blessings. Hates, because that is the letting go of the hammers. That is closing the hose. That is not letting people trash the palace of a mind. In the schus of knowing. And that's all it is. In the schus of knowing. That there's almost nothing I have to do except know that that is the power Hashem has given us all the time. I'm never that far away from reducing the anxiety and the fears. Because it's a thought. And Hashem wants me to know that's where I live. In the schus of knowing that, we should be also zorka to much more happiness in our lives. Amen.